most of what I hear from the church to our generation falls in the category of preaching. And it comes across as speaking down to people, being critical of people, being judgmental of people. And it comes across both in an attitude of superiority as well as a tone of voice that communicates to those that might be listening, you're a dirty, rotten scumbag. I've even seen some things recently where the justification of you know, people feeling like dirty, rotten scumbags is they won't appreciate the goodness of God if they don't come to the conclusion that they're a dirty, rotten scumbag. Really? Really? Is that the message? I need to make you feel bad about yourself and then you'll recognize that God is good. Really? I don't think so. I don't think, it doesn't work that way in my life. And maybe, okay, you can correct me. If it works that way in your life, let me know because I don't, I don't see that working. What I do see working is the proclamation of the message that Jesus gave us. An announcement. An announcement of salvation. An announcement of life and an announcement of forgiveness. Now, I'm trying to just kind of illustrate the difference between announcement, proclamation, declaration, and preaching. One, I can put this slide up, which is from last week, proclaiming the word of God. Proclamation, that Greek word, is the language of mission. So when Paul and Barnabas are sent out to proclaim, they're sent out on mission, that their mission is to give a declaration. Their mission is to give an announcement. And that proclamation or that declaration is of a completed happening. It's not instruction that comes from that happening. It's just announce that completed happening. So that means they go out with an announcement. Their announcement is something like this. Jesus is king. Their announcement is... The kingdom is arriving. The proclamation is sins are forgiven completely in Jesus. The declaration is Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. That's what they're doing, proclaiming. Now, I've tried to think of ways in my little world that that would be understood. And one of the things, Susan and I watched the butler. Anybody watch the butler? You watch the butler. Good job. It's, it's, a, it's a loosely told story of a butler of the White House that served for 34 years. So he's in the White House from Eisenhower to Reagan. <laughs> and he was a black butler, so it's real, he lived in the White House through the years of the Civil Rights Movement, which was the 60s. Now, as I was watching that, I was a little bit overwhelmed, like Forrest Gump. When I first saw Forrest Gump, I was like totally depressed because like, that's my life. I I grew up in those years. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, I was a kid when Kennedy was assassinated. I remember that day. I remember when Martin Luther King was assassinated. My, my sister just was weeping and wailing. I remember when Bobby, I was watching when Bobby Kennedy was killed. I mean, I, I've lived through that. This, the butler was kind of this reminder of, wow, there's been a tumultuous change in our nation. The civil rights movement was a big change. But it hasn't been that long ago. 
Then I realized, wait a minute. 1960s, the Emancipation Proclamation was in 1863. So in 1863, President Lincoln said, there'll be no more slavery in America. All men are created equal. But a hundred years later, we're still trying to work it out. And I would dare say that today, we're still trying to work it out. There's still racists among us. It's still in the church. So there was something declared in 1863, a little bit realized in 1960, but still not fully realized in 2014. You get it? There was a declaration, but that doesn't mean the fulfillment of that declaration until years later. It's the same thing with the kingdom of God. Jesus showed up. He made a declaration. The kingdom of heaven is near. That word is so near, it's here. It's near enough that you can say, you can enter. That's how, that's how near it is. I like what N.T. Wright says. The kingdom of God is arriving. It began to arrive, and it still is arriving, and it will arrive. And we are sent out to proclaim that message. Not preach, but announce, declare. And we're to, to proclaim it with this eschatological and, and the dramatic character of that message. What that means is, when we declare Jesus is the King, we declare Jesus is alive, the resurrection has happened. When we announce the kingdom of God is arriving, we're actually saying the end, the end of where this, these ages are going, it's actually begun. So that's what's, it's a last times event has already begun. That's eschatological. And there is drama. There is emotion. There is, wow! I've, I've, I've yet to recover that God became a man. I still can't explain to you that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, those are staggering announcements that we get to deliver. So as we, we kind of go down this path, another way to look at this is that Jesus gave us a mission. He gave us a job. He commissioned us to do something. And every generation of people that has followed Jesus, gets the same assignment. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We're to baptize. And we're to teach those that are baptized to obey, to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Let me suggest to us that if we stop going and we become this institution that just you know, welcomes people. You'll come to our meetings, come to whether it's a big meeting or a small meeting. And we stop going. We stop initiating. It begins to change our commission a bit. And if we start teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded before they're actually following Jesus, and before they identify with Jesus through baptism, things go horribly wrong. So the commission that Jesus has given us is something we need to still do. We need to be the initiators. We need to go out. We want to be sent by the Holy Spirit. 
But as we go out, we want to invite people to apprentice with us. As a carpenter, I could invite, hey, Nathaniel, I know a few things about carpentry. You want to learn a few things about carpentry, so why don't you come do carpentry with me? To take that analogy, I'm following Jesus. Ed, I, I want you to come follow Jesus with me. I'm doing something, and I want you to come do it with me. So come along. Let's follow Jesus together. And Ed follows along long enough to where he says, you know, I really want to identify with Jesus. So I want to be baptized. I want to start a new life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's baptized. Now he's ready for preaching. (laughs) Now he's ready for instruction. But it's because he's been apprenticed to follow Jesus. And he's followed Jesus long enough to know, I want to follow Jesus. And he's identified with Jesus. So he's been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he becomes part of this thing called the ecclesia, of the church. And now we learn to obey. We're the people that are learning to obey all that Jesus has commanded. So preaching instruction is for us so that we then begin to live the lifestyle that Jesus lived and those that are yet to follow look upon us and say, wow, those people are doing, they're doing life a little bit different. They, they love each other. Their marriages are working. They're working through their family issues. They don't seem to be so stressed all the time about the things that are happening financially. They seem to have a faith, a trust. There's something really good happening with these people. So we become the signpost, a declaration, an announcement. Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. Jesus is ruling. But we're not preaching at people. You see the difference? I really hope you do. If you don't, let's visit because it's really based upon, that this, when, when Paul and Barnabas go out, they go out not to preach, they go out to proclaim. So in Acts 13, from Pamphys, Paul and company put out to sea, sailing on to Perga and Pamphylia. That's where John Mark called it quits. And he went back to Jerusalem. From Perga, the rest of them traveled on to Antioch and Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the meeting place. That was, they went to the synagogue. And they took their places. After the reading of the scriptures, God's law, and then the prophets, the president of the synagogue, the meeting, asked them, friends, do you have anything you want to say? A word of encouragement, perhaps? And Paul stood up, paused, and he took a deep breath. So before we hear what Paul has to say in proclaiming, Let me just remind you that Barnabas and Paul are going to their neighbors and to the nations. They set out from Antioch and Syria. They go to the seacoast. They go to Cyprus. Barnabas was from Cyprus. So they're visiting his neighbors. and They're proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Now they're sailing over to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and they travel up to Antioch. Tarsus is Paul's home. So Paul's kind of, now it's his neighborhood with his fellow Asia minors. So they're in Antioch. When they're invited by a Jew, and both of them are from, they're Jewish background believers, they're Jews following Jesus. So this president of the synagogue, hey, 
you have a word of encouragement, you have a word of exhortation for us. A couple of things there that I think, before we jump into it, one, according to N.T. Wright, it was really common for anybody that was traveling about that would visit a synagogue that would be Jewish to be invited to give a word of encouragement after the reading of the law and the prophets. So that was not uncommon. But when he says, do you have a word of exhortation, encouragement, it's really important for us to put that request in its historical context. See, I'm tempted because I'm Western, because I think of Paul as this theological brain. Oh, they're asking Paul to give them a theological dissertation. That's not what they're asking at all. They're asking, would you give us a word of consolation? Let me tell you why they're doing that. That word of consolation is to promise, to testify to the comfort of God, which is to be given to his people when under divine judgment. See, if we were to be able to back up, if Doctor Who would loan us his Tarsus or whatever that thing is, what is that? Tardus, okay. We could go back in time and we could be there and we, we would realize, hey, this synagogue is in the middle of Asia Minor because beginning in the 500 B.C.s, Jews left the land because God said, you're not obeying my covenant, therefore I'm going to remove you. So remember Daniel and his friends went to Babylon? They were removed. That began the diaspora. And so Jews were were removed from the land, and even though we have some coming back under the Persians, there's still these pockets of people who are Jews who labor under, we disobeyed the covenant and we don't get to go back into the land until Messiah comes. Actually, there's still Jews today. If you go to the web, if you want to go, if you want to search it, go, you can look up Jews, not Zionists. There's lots of Jews in the world today that don't believe there should be an Israel because God didn't put them back in the land. It's really interesting to go read that perspective. So these Jews in Turkey are really living under the idea that they've been judged short of keeping the covenant. And they're at, could you give us a word of, com- of comfort from God because we're living under that judgment? And Paul stands up and he takes a deep breath. He's, and really he says, yeah, I, I can, <laughs> but it's going to surprise you. So he starts in Acts 13. 16 to 28, fellow Jews and friends of God, listen. God took a special interest in our ancestors, pulled our people who were beaten down in Egyptian exile to their feet and led them out of there in grand style. He took good care of them for nearly 40 years in that God-forsaken wilderness. And then, having wiped out seven enemies who stood in the way, gave them the land of Canaan for their very own, a span in all of about 450 years. Up to the time of Samuel the prophet, God provided judges to lead them. But then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, out of the tribe of Benjamin. After Saul had ruled 40 years, God removed him from office and put King David in his place with this commendation. 
I've searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart, a man who will do what I tell him. He will be obedient in relationship with me. And from, a, from out of David's descendants, king to out of royal descendants, God produced a savior for Israel. Jesus, exactly as he promised. Not only after John had thoroughly alerted the people to his arrival by preparing them for a total life change, as John was finishing up his work, he said, Do you, did you think I was the one? No, I'm not the one. But the one you've been waiting for all these years is just around the corner, about to appear. I'm about to disappear. Dear brothers and sisters, children of Abraham, sons of God, here's the announcement. Here's the declaration. This message of salvation has been precisely targeted to you. What Paul is delivering is an announcement of salvation. Got good news for you. The God who promised to save you has arrived on the planet. He goes on. The citizens and rulers in Jerusalem didn't recognize who Jesus was and condemned him to death. They couldn't find a good reason but demanded that Pilate execute him anyway. They did just what the prophets said they would do but had no idea that they were following to the letter in the script of the prophets even though those same prophets are read every Sabbath in their meeting places, just like we just read. After they'd done everything the prophets said they would do, they took him down from the cross, buried him, and then announcement number two, declaration, God raised him from death. There's no disputing that. He he appeared over and over again many times in places to those who, who knew him well in the Galilean years. And these same people continue to give witness that he is alive. And we're here today bringing you good news, the message that what God promised the fathers has come true for the children, for us. He raised Jesus. Exactly as he described in the second psalm, my son, my very own son, today I celebrate you. When he raised him from the dead, he did it. For good, not going back to that rotten decay for him. That's why Isaiah said, I'll give to you all of you David's guaranteed blessings. So also the psalmist prayer, you never let your Holy One see death's rot and decay. Proclaim life, resurrection and life. Lastly, David, of course, having completed the work God set out for him, has been in the grave, dust and ashes a long time now. But the one God raised up, no dust and ashes for him. I want you to know, my very dear friends, that it is on the account of this resurrected Jesus that the forgiveness of your sins can be promised. He accomplishes in those who believe everything that the law of Moses could never make good on. But everyone who believes in this raised up Jesus is declared good and right and whole before God. Don't take this lightly. You don't want the prophet's sermon to describe you. Watch out, cynics. Look out. Watch your world fall to pieces. I'm I'm doing something right before your eyes that you wouldn't believe, though you're staring, it's staring you in the face. Proclamation number three. 
forgiveness. Complete forgiveness in Jesus. Now, after that service, no preaching. Simple, simple declaration, proclamation. Salvation, resurrection, life, forgiveness. Notice, when the service was over, Paul and Barnabas were invited back to, to really proclaim again. The next Sabbath, and as the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts to Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas, who urged them in long conversations to stick with what they'd started, this living in and by God's grace. Did you notice when there is proclamation, not preaching down at people, when you proclaim salvation, life, forgiveness, there is invitation to come back the next week and do it again. We want to hear more. Did you notice that between Saturday to Saturday, long conversations with new converts. That would be Jews and Gentiles who heard that proclamation, who changed their mind about who Messiah was and what the kingdom was and when the kingdom would come, and they're now starting to follow Jesus. Long conversation. Encouragement to live in and by God's grace. You know, we are people like Paul and Barnabas, same mission to our neighbors and the nations. So may I, may I just encourage us this way? Number one, we want to be a community of people that proclaim salvation, life, and forgiveness to our generation. That's what our generation needs to hear. And we want to be invited again and again and again to give that announcement until those that we love are dear. Did you notice the affection that Paul was using? My dear friends, I want you to receive the benefits of this announcement. So come back. Come back again and again and again. And wouldn't it be great if we became those that announced this good news and we, we begin to engage in long conversations with our neighbors who are interested in this proclamation. See, don't tell me. I don't believe it. Don't tell me our generation's not interested in this proclamation. I don't know a soul that's not interested in salvation, resurrection, life, and forgiveness. They're not interested in me telling them that they're wrong. And we want to proclaim the good news of our kingdom, of his kingdom, in and by God's grace. So I wonder, can we stand together and pray that this would actually become a reality in our life? Last week, we uh, gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to us. One of the things as a community that we're hoping to happen this year is that each one of us would make a disciple. What that means is that the Holy Spirit would put us into relationship with another person 
and we could say, hey, come along with me and let's follow Jesus together. Just that, just that beginning steps of somebody being introduced to Jesus. And it would be great if, for each of us. So we gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to us a name. Several of you heard a name. Any, any updates? Anybody want to kind of speak up and say, hey, I heard this name and this happened this week. Okay. Those of you that heard a name, don't forget that name. That's important. That was dropped in your mind for a purpose. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do the same thing. Those of us that weren't here last week, those of us that might be ready to hear guidance from the Holy Spirit, is, is there a person in my life that you would like me to apprentice? Come along with me. Let's follow Jesus. So let's just take a moment. Listen and see if there's a name that appears in your mind or a picture of a, a face, okay? Holy Spirit. We really want you to be the ones that, that's really in charge of a time like this. We want you to speak to us. We want to get on track with what we're reading about in the Bible. We don't want it just to be history. We want it to be today. So thank you that you've given to us as a community this desire for each one of us to invite one person this year to come along with us in following Jesus. And what we're relying upon is that you would guide us to that person. So speak. Speak a name to us. Show us the the face of a person. Give us your guidance. It helps sometimes when we're asking the Holy Spirit to guide us that we kind of act immediately. And so I'm going to ask if you have a sense that there's a name that appeared in your head or a picture of a person. I'd just like you to say that name out loud. Anybody have a name drop in your head? Say again. Jovan. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Anyone else? For those of you that heard a name, those of you that might have been not brave enough to speak up, uh, write that name down. Don't forget that name. I, I think the Holy Spirit gives guidance this way. And so he's done that. Now, let me continue praying. Thank you very much uh, for your guidance. Thank you for your voice. And now I'd ask that you would empower us Holy Spirit, empower us to both believe and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Send us out to be proclaimers, announcers of that which has happened on planet Earth. Send us out to announce that Jesus is the king, to declare the kingdom is arriving to proclaim Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. And finally, to say, sin is forgiven by God's grace. 
Empower us with that message and send us out. Lord, I pray that your people, your church, would get back to the proclamation of the best message that's that's appeared on the planet. Activate that truth in our lives this week in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.